Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, psychology grad student, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I provide a space for women to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today and enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Naomi. Naomi is a mover, a maker, and a mom of three wild, wonderful kids. I feel that in my soul. Uh, (laughs) Wild. Uh, So Naomi has been teaching yoga and movement since 2005. By the way, yoga has become one of my favorite things. And I finally got back to doing yoga every morning after I wake up and it is lovely and I really missed it. Uh, So Naomi specializes in teaching short, fun classes that pack a punch, making sure you can easily squeeze movement into wherever pockets in your day you happen to have. When Naomi isn't teaching movement, she loves reading books, going on outdoor adventures, tending to her indoor jungle, which I can see is super cool, dancing in her kitchen and eating chocolate chips by the handful. Well, I can totally relate to that as well. Naomi, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I I love that I am here, truly. (laughs) <laughs> apparently people love my little comments during I can't help myself I'm sorry for anybody who's annoyed when I make comments with the introductions it's just fun but I can see your jungle and it is really nice because I kill everything um <laughs> my almost 20 year old she'll be 20 by the time people hear this uh her birthday when we're talking is like next week but she got me an orchid for Valentine's Day to like apologize for being a butthead to me and it's beautiful and I'm so scared I'm gonna kill it (laughs) so I keep googling like what do I need to do to keep this alive because I don't want to kill the beautiful flowers she just got me (laughs) I mean mostly don't you just leave orchids alone like (laughs) apparently you have to water them once a week okay so as long as I do that and don't overwater them it should be okay I wish you the best of luck Thank you. I appreciate it. I killed my <laughs> Christmas cactus that I'd had for three years. I don't Aww. know why. I think I overwatered it. I'm either an over or underwater. I seem to not be able to like get the like perfect place. So I need the ones that are really difficult to kill. <laughs> Sometimes I think though that plants will just like die on you out of spite. Yes. You know? So I recently repotted a bunch of my plants because I was like, oh, you look really unhappy. Your soil's all like it looks gray and weird and there's all these chips in it and you know you're drying out really fast so like and and the roots are coming out through the bottom I'm gonna repot you and like eight plants dead (laughs) (laughs) I repotted them and they're like screw you I'm over (laughs) oh my gosh I liked my gross soil you know it's like okay great like Uh, it's like cats right I don't know if you have any cats but my cats are they are super temperamental. They have their own little personalities. And one day everything's great. It's okay for me to scratch you in that place. The next day they're going to tear my face off if I do it. Like <laughs> you just don't know. But we're not here to talk about cats or plants um, or even kids. Or <laughs> all three. Yeah. Um, so when you applied for the podcast, you were talking about how you struggled with with body positivity. 
And oh, trigger warning for anybody listening. Um, we will probably be talking about eating disorders. So if you're not in the space or whatever to hear that, which I understand some things are very triggering to me, visit one of the 380 some episodes we have going on. So anyways, back to you. Um, where did that all start? What did body negative negativity start for you? Well, I think it's a really complicated thing, you know, as it always is. And, you know, I, I know that part of it came from, you know, growing up in a culture that, Mm. you know, just does not make it easy to be female, Mm -hmm. right. Just does not make it easy, you know, starting at a really young age, you know, um, starting at a young age where it's like, you know, you even see children on screen talking about, you know, oh, am I fat or, you know, like worrying about the way they look. And so, you know, certainly I think some of it came from just purely being raised in the early eighties in that culture um, and not being able to escape it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, also, you know, I think there's some genetic predisposition, um, you know, uh, in, on my mom's side of the family, you know, I think everybody, you know, in, in my mom's generation has struggled with some form of, you know, body dissatisfaction and different ways of, of trying to manage that. Um, you know, I grew up with a mom who I think meant very well. And I love my mom. So if my mom is listening, like, I love you, (laughs) you know, um, I, I don't really blame anything on my parents. Actually. I think also they're very much a product of, you know, their, growth Mm -hmm. and what they were exposed to and that the culture that they existed in too, like things are changing and shifting, but it's slow, you know? So what they were exposed to and and what they grew up with, you know, also impacted how they moved through the world. Um, And so I I grew up with a mom who was frequently on diets and I feel you on that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and you know, and I would ask her about them. And I, one of the books I remember her reading was a book called Thin Within, where you had to like track your food. And there was also like probably a mindset part to it too, if it was. Oh my. And I remember reading it with her when I was like eight or nine, because I was a smart kid, like I could read, you know, and, um, and I, that's what I started when I was like eight or nine, you know, starting to like record what I was eating and count calories and, you know, my oldest kid is 10 now. And so like, I think yeah. of, of my child who was 10 and like thinking of me at 10 already in that space. Um, yeah. I was also a dancer and I was not a skinny, skinny dancer, but, you know, um, mostly that just meant that my thighs touched. And I had a dance teacher who frequently would comment on oh, how no. my thighs touched and, she would then comment positively on these two sisters who were, who did not have thighs that touched and who, when they jumped up in the air, seemed to like magically be suspended there as if they floated on clouds and then they would land. And my body didn't do that. It still doesn't do that. Right. You know, like I've always had very powerful legs. Like I'm built to be muscular, you know, Um, and I'm not fat and I really, I don't think ever was, but I certainly started to feel that way. And so, you know, and one of my best friends also had one of those bodies that, you know, was much that was more inclined to, um, you know, to, I, I'm trying to think of, of the best way to put it, because I think like all of these identifiers can be a little bit problematic, you know, yeah. in what they are, but, you know, was, was not inclined to be holding on to as much weight. Like she was skinnier, 
Um, yeah. And, but she, we were also like eight and nine. So again, it's <laughs> like, you know, saying that it's like, I don't know, maybe now she looks like me. I, you know, it's like, who knows? You yeah. Know, because when you're kids, it's like, you know, you look a certain way because that's how your body looks like as a kid. And then you get older and your body starts to change. That's just natural. But I, uh, I wanted to look like her. And so I started restricting food when I was, you know, my daughter's age, I was 10. Um, oh, and you know, I, when I was 12, when I was in uh, sixth grade, I decided I wanted to be a vegetarian and that initially started because like all the cool kids were doing it. And then it became a way to further this eating disorder that I had, you know, been taking these baby steps toward. And I, I stuck with it and I stayed vegetarian and I'm still plant-based more for ethical reasons at this point, more for, you know, other reasons, certainly not for restrictive reasons um, in right. the way that I was when I was a child. Um, and I always sort of want to say that because I think it's, it's important, but um, I, I kept that up restricting further and restricting further and restricting further until I was a freshman in college when I started losing my period, when I, oh. you know, I went away to college and I didn't, you know, gain the freshman 15, like, you know, as is the terror put into, you know, like high school girls don't go off to college because you might gain some weight, you know, like that. The freshman 15. Horrible. I know it's like the <laughs> worst thing that could happen when you go to college. Like, no, believe me, there are far worse things that could happen if you go to college. Yes. That is like on the low to the non-existent end of the spectrum, you know, and, and, but I did the opposite. And, um, and I actually at one point thought that I had gotten pregnant because it had been so long since I'd gotten oh, my period yeah. and there was a potential reason that I could have been, you know, um, and that gets kind of dark. So, you know, it's like, it's okay. We talk I, about those dark things in the podcast yeah. too. <laughs> it's like we, I share inspirational women, but sometimes it gets really dark, but it's okay. But, we'll come out the other side. It'll be all right. Well, yeah. Because the darkness, the shadow, like I don't necessarily think that everybody has to go through these extreme periods of darkness, but mm -hmm. I also think that like to ignore the darkness is, you know, to ignore this vital part of who we all are and yep. it limits our understanding of who we are and of the world. Right. So, you know, um, I wasn't pregnant. I was just malnourished. And um, the fun part was having to like go home from New York where I was in college to my mom and say, guess what, mom, I might be pregnant. My mom to her infinite credit and compassion said, okay, let's go get you checked out and whatever happens, we will handle it. And, you know, like I said, was not pregnant. Um, but I, you know, at that point, that was sort of like the first piece that said like, something's not right. Yeah. And I need to fix it. And it still took me many years. Like it, in fact, really took me, I was 18 when that happened. Um, it really took me until getting pregnant with my first child and giving birth to really turn a corner in terms of how I perceived my body and mm -hmm. how I wanted to raise my children ultimately to perceive their own bodies, you know, to yeah. exist in the world, you know, and I had I'd healed some pieces of my body image stuff and I'd healed some pieces of my eating disorder, but not fully. 
And I would say that still I struggle with it, you know, from time to time, because I don't think these things really ever fully go away. Right. But I'm no longer in a place where I actively, regularly make destructive choices based on the fear that I will gain weight. Right. And we get these messages, right, from like a very young age. Like my 13-year-old talks about how she's fat. She's always been more of a curvy girl since she was a baby. Okay, this Mm -hmm. chick has had the same body, like, shape since she was a baby. This is just how her shape is. Mm -hmm. And it's great. I'm like, girl, that is in. (laughs) That is in right now. But, like, she sees all these friends of hers who are, like, skinnier and people make fun of her weight. And I'm like, she's not overweight. Like, this, Mm -hmm. she's not... She just unfortunately has a curvy mama that even, even when I was like, really lost a lot of weight and sickly lost a lot of weight, I saw a big old booty and my thighs still touched. Okay. At the end of the day, it's like, I think so much of it has to do with what we see and know how we treat ourselves and, you know, how we see other people that we love treating themselves. You know, um, I sometimes wonder, and so, so this is something that I try to do often around my kid, around all of my kids, but particularly around my oldest is, you know, to like say nice things about my body. Like I look good today, you know, or, you know, like if she says something about my belly, like, oh, your belly's so soft or, you know, whatever. It's like, yeah, I guess it is, you know, and just smile at it instead of like, you know, because I think, you know, because my kids right now, you know, like they, they're skinny kids There's and, and they're small kids. Yeah. You know, when, when my oldest was born, she was a little bit early. She was born like three and a half. My weeks twins early. were five and a half weeks early. Oh, geez. That's yeah. like, that's like a whole other, but, um, she was four pounds, four and a half ounces when she was born <gasps> yeah. and she was teeny. She was so tiny and she didn't nurse easily and she was slow at gaining weight and She's still like, she's always the smallest kid in her class or one That's of the smallest my daughter. kids in her class. Yep. My, my twin my girl. My son is the same way too. Yeah. You know, like he's a tiny guy. He'll be seven in April. <laughs> and um, he's tiny. He's a tiny guy. That's okay. You know, like all bodies are different. And, and I think the struggle for me is actually, you know, with my kids is trying to get them to eat and trying not to force them to yes. eat because they're so small. And because I had so many doctors, particularly with my first two saying, oh, well, you know, they're really on the small end of the spectrum. Are they Mm -hmm. eating enough? And like really digging in on that. And so I still have a lot of that fear in me about them not being big enough, not, you know, hitting their curves. And, you know, it's like, they're older kids now. Like, I'm not even sure how much that's going to do, but it's still in me. And so even unlearning some of those things and allowing them to eat what they want to eat and to you know, like feed themselves in the way that feels good and trying not to force things on them just because I think they need to eat because it's like on the other side of things. Right. So, and I don't like, I don't want to give them, you know, any reason to not trust their own bodies and to love their bodies as they are, whether, you know, they are bigger or smaller or whatever, you know, like, I think there's so much pressure put on how we look. Mm Mm-hmm. And it is most of the time the least important or interesting thing about us. 
Yes. And all my kids are different sizes. My oldest daughter is like a giant. She's like five foot 11. I'm five, six. Uh, her biological dad is six, six. So I'm just like, Hey, it's wow. <laughs> so just like the tall bean pole. And then we got my middle daughter that I was talking about my 13 year old, who's just got her mama's badonka donk. And I'm like, girl, that is, that's in people pay money to put that on themselves. Like they embrace do. it, embrace, embrace it. And then I have the teeny tiny twins who were five and a half weeks premature. Audrina, they're boy, girl twins. The Audrina is the smallest one. Her brother, Cameron, he was a whole pound heavier than her when they were born. Okay. He's always been bigger than her. And now he's growing faster than her. So now instead of like the two inches he had on her, you know, he's got like four inches on her and she's just this tiny little petite thing. And I like you, I had to like let go of some of that, like, oh my God, I have to pay attention to what my kids are eating. I need to make them eat or whatever. And instead I'm just like, eat whatever you want mm-hmm. your children you're gonna be okay and if you're going to eat i'd rather you eat than not eat and i'd rather you eat in a way that feels good for you than me saying no like when i was growing up it was like no you eat these these times this thing that you know it's really structured to where like i don't even know you know sometimes i struggle with binge eating and like things like that because when I could have it, it became my comfort, right? It was like, oh my God, let me shove it all in my face. And I don't want my kids to be like that. I want them to just enjoy what they're eating and eat when they need to eat. And so I try, I mean, we still have like dinner and time and stuff like that, but like, what snacks do you want? What do you want for breakfast? Like all these things and let them lead that conversation. And, and I, trying really hard not to make any if anything we talk about Audrina's height because like you said tiniest well they're both the tiniest in their class however Audrina's in sixth grade and probably the size of a third grader so she's third or fourth grader she's very very tiny and so we don't really talk about tiny as in skinny but tiny as in like because she's it's very obvious to her that she is super short (laughs) because you see these kids in sixth grade are all like developing and they're tall and and Audrina you just see she looks she looks like a sixth grader okay she I I feel like kids are developing too fast nowadays and she looks like a sixth grader yeah isn't it I like I find that wild too like most of my both my older two kids because my younger my youngest youngest kid I have three um she (laughs) three and a half. And she's not around a lot of other kids because I work from home and, you know, it's, we live in a military base. It's like hard sometimes to like get out and get off base. And like all of the, we live in a very isolated part of, uh, of New Mexico currently. And so, um, it's, it is a small community and it's also a very conservative Christian community and all of the preschool. Lots of fun. (laughs) Yeah. It's all of the preschools are, you know, kind of extra, extra Jesus-y. And we're not, you know, I mean, I was raised, I was raised Jewish, but you know, like uh, I I, I hang onto it culturally as a way to like say my kids, this is, this is where you're from. This is who you are. Yeah. What you choose to believe is up to you in terms of, you know, spirit and that sort of thing. But um you know, I don't really want to send my kid to a preschool where they're going to be like teaching her things that are counter to 
what we believe. So that means that she gets to be home with me all the time, which is fine, but it also means that it limits like who she can play with. So she's not as exposed to it. Right. Um, or to the comparison of other kids her age, but my older two kids, like the kids in their classes, I'm just like, were kids always this big? Like Mm. I'm, I'm almost 42. Were kids always this big when I was 10? Like were my, was I that big at 10? Like, you know, it's just, it's like, it's wild. I'm like, what is this normal? I don't know. Um, it's just this totally wild thing to me. Like yes. all of these like 10 and 11 year olds that are as tall as I am. I'm mm-hmm. five foot two. They're like as tall as I am and like have not adult bodies, but adult height. Well, in, in, for my, in kids in my kids school, like adult ish bodies as well. Mm-hmm. So like well, sixth even, grade is a bigger leap. So yeah, that makes no, sense. even in fifth grade, these were giant yeah. kids with like, and I'm just like, Oh my God. Like Audrina looks like a child compared to the Audrina's uh-huh. my little one Yeah, yeah. compared to them because she looks like a sixth grader, right? She's just now hitting puberty. I feel like these kids hit puberty like several grades ago. And she's just like always asking me, I guess she's been made fun of because she doesn't have any boobs yet. And I was like, I didn't in sixth grade either. Like I started my period in sixth grade and I started developing in sixth grade. It wasn't until I was like in seventh, eighth grade that I like that whole came to a crescendo, but I feel like kids nowadays are going through it. And there is actually research confirming this. Yeah, I've seen that. M- many kids, not all kids, obviously I, my kids did not. They all hit puberty in sixth grade um, like I did, but many kids are going through puberty younger than they used to and they're gigantic i'm like oh my god (laughs) where are you coming i'm five six how come there are kids in this sixth grade class that are like my height (laughs) it's wild i just but it's difficult you know it was difficult when we were younger um but like most people kind of developed I mean, there were some people who developed slower and faster but for the most part everybody was developing at the same rate right then you get now where you have my teeny tiny children who have not developed anything at this point. And then these gigantic children who I feel like have jumped multiple grades in their like height and everything like that. Now it's even more pressure and they have the internet. My kids don't have the, the social medias because they're 11. Yeah. They don't need them. But like my older one, my oldest one, who's 20, she developed somewhat of an eating disorder at one point in time and like got really obsessive about food. And I had to like have a whole come to Jesus moment with her. And I'm not religious, but people know what that means. <laughs> I know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> and was like, and and I partially by myself, right? During that time, I was going through my beach body phase where I was working out way too much and eating, like super obsessed with eating. And we talked about it before we started kick this off was like, um, I guess it's a term called orthorexia where you get to this point where it's really problematic. And I was there. And so it was right after I was coming out of that, my daughter started to go through things. And I was like, she saw that with me. And like, even though at that point in time, I had come like two and was like, ah, this is bad. Um, I had to have this like talk with her and say like, no, but it's everywhere. Instagram. There's a whole it's, study about Instagram being bad mm-hmm. for girls, especially like, girls. Yeah. Yeah. Self-esteem. Insane. Yeah. And my daughter wonders why, like she, she will not have a phone until she's in high school. Like, she's like, I don't understand. And I'm like, but I do. 
Um, it's, but it's true, you know, I think, like, I, I have two things for that, which is that the first, I am equal parts grateful, like grateful and, you know, also curious, but grateful that social media did not exist when I was in high school yes. and barely in college. I mean, like I had, oh God, what, it wasn't even in college. It was like when college was over, there was this, uh, the, the early social media, it was called Friendster. And I had that. Oh, briefly. I had MySpace when and it came out. And then there was out. MySpace. Okay. And then another friend, uh, a few a few years later, convinced me to go over to Facebook, and you know the rest is history. Yeah. But you know, I think back to, you know, what high school would have been like if every moment was cataloged and exposed to the world. And so, I try to be very careful about like my also my kids watching my social media. You know. Yeah. Like uh, uh, consumption is what I want to say. Um, because I don't want them to think that it's the most important thing to me because it's not like it's, it's a distraction and it's a way for me to keep in touch with people, but it's not the most important thing. Yeah. Um, and for a very extroverted kid, like my oldest, you know, I could see her like really kind of getting into the universe of that and, and then getting for lack of a better word, manipulated by it. Yeah. You know, like getting it twisted, you know, and I think that our kids, you know, really absorb so much of their perception of the world by the way that they witness us experiencing it. Right. Like how your daughter had the experience of like, oh, my mom is going through this. So now this yeah. is me, you know, how I saw my own mom doing what she was doing and thought, well, this is the way that it's supposed to be. Um, and again, without blaming her for it, you know, without blaming you for it, without, you know, it's like, exactly. It's, she said, I weigh more than you do. And I'm like, you're five foot 11. Yes, you like, are taller than me. <laughs> but just the weight in her head, she felt like yeah. she needed to weigh as much as me to not feel quote unquote fat. Um, it was wild. Right. 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 Well, and also like, that's also why for me, when it comes to movement, you know, I don't, it, it's never movement used to be for me when, because I've always been a mover, you know, like I, mm -hmm. I was a dancer and I eventually did stop dancing because it was toxic, but yeah. then I got back into it and fell in love with it again. And I, I still dance and I love it because it brings me joy, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but I also discovered other things along the way, like running and volley. I played volleyball despite the fact that I'm five, two. And, <laughs> Sounds like um, so much fun. <laughs> I was, I was very, very good. I was a back row specialist. I was very good at the passing and the, anyway, um, it was a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, I, I got into yoga when I went to college. It was, you know, one of the things that I fell into. Um, and one of my own, you know, uh, come to Jesus moments or, you know, some <laughs> you know, other, I'm like, I'm not religious, but you just deity. know what it means. Like, you like, know, I, I want to say like, come to the great unicorn moments or something. Yeah. You know? like, I, yes. I, I'm um, for unicorns. They're my favorite yeah. mythical creature. Yeah. But it was, I was in a yoga class and I was like belly down on the floor and I could feel my heart pounding mm. and it was like too fast. And I was like, I'm not doing anything strenuous right, right now. Why is my heart pounding? And this was after the pregnancy scare. This was after all of that. This was years, this was a couple of years after that. And I was like lying on the floor and I was like, I'm, I'm something's wrong. And again, like that was another moment of like, okay, things I need to make a change. And again, it still took a long time. I used to run farther and harder than I needed to because I knew that it could help me 
manage my weight. I used to do hard workouts so that, you know, it would do, you know, so it would accomplish certain things. And it's like, I had to, particularly in the last few years, like that was the last hurdle that I had to cross was I am moving because it feels good. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm trying to like, yeah, there are goals that I might have, but the goal is not to shrink my body. Yeah. The goal is not to maintain a certain weight. The goal is like feeling good. Yeah. You know? So I remember once I was like, this is recent. I was getting ready to go for a run and I wasn't hundred percent in the mood. And I said that out loud. My kids were around. I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm not really in the mood to run. And my, my daughter was like, then why are you? That's legit. Woof. And I had to take a sec and I had to really think because I was like, do I want to run actually? And the answer was yes. It wasn't like, oh, I don't want to do this, but I know if I do, like it will do X. It was like, no, I really do. And so I said to her, you know what? You're right. That wasn't the best choice of language because I do want to go for a run. I know I'm going to feel good when I run. My body feels good right now. I'm not super tired. And I just kind of said that because sometimes like getting the motivation to go outside on a cold day is tricky, you know, but I said, I didn't mean to say, oh, I don't, I don't really feel like running because that makes it sound like I'm forcing myself to do something that I don't Mm want to do. And I really do want to do this. So I had to have this, I had to break it down for my then nine-year-old to be clear. I'm not forcing myself to move. Right. I am moving because movement is one of the ways that I keep myself mentally healthy, (laughs) you know, in addition to physically healthy, like movement is, you know, part of my own mental health regimen, you know? Um, So this is why I do it. And so that for me was a, a big turning point in terms of like, how do I communicate these things to my kids? Because sometimes Mm -hmm. They might see me doing something and if I'm complaining about it, well, then what does that make them think? Like I'm teaching them that like movement is something that they have to suffer through, not something that they can enjoy. Yeah. I mean, I tried to force myself to get back into beach body workouts. I'm like, I loved them at one point in time. I don't love them anymore. And I kept trying to do them and force. And I'm like, it's going to be so good. It's going to help me lose weight because I am overweight now. And, you know, like, even though my doctor doesn't say it to me, she's just like, well, these issues you have are typical. And like, she's leaving off the other part of that statement. But whatever. I'm not, I mean, I'm not like, oh, I need to lose. I just want to feel better. But um, I don't want to do those. I don't like them anymore. They're strenuous. And I know I, I had a major problem. And I know that, like, if I force myself for too long, eventually I'm going to pretend that I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then I might go off like the other end of the spectrum and off the deep end and force myself to do more than I need to. And so I'm like, what, what, what do I like to do? What movements? And I love yoga. Yoga feels good. And, and you can pick your, I mean, I've been going on YouTube um, and you can pick yoga, yoga that's like really strenuous and makes you sweat and like gets your heart rate up. And then you can do some like I did this morning because I didn't get enough sleep last night. It was like really gentle and vinyasas and it was beautiful, but I still got it in. Right. And instead of just being like, oh, my God, I need to get in like a half an hour, or hour or some crazy thing like I used to do. I used to do several hours a day sometimes. Uh, I'm just like you know, I don't have a lot of time with school and kids and all the things, 
what can I do? Well, when I wake up in the morning, I just brought my yoga mat into my bedroom so my children can't bother me. And I take my little laptop into the bedroom and I go on YouTube and I do it right there in my bedroom. Sometimes it's only like 10 minutes. Sometimes it's 30 minutes. It's whatever I have time for. I'm in the mood for. And you know what? I don't hate myself like I would if I had forced myself to do all those beach body crap. They're good workouts. I I loved them for a long time. I don't anymore. And so like the whole point is going off of what you said is figuring out what you do like and what you do want to do instead of forcing yourself to do things that you absolutely hate just because you think you have to. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's also the foundation that I've built so much of my teaching on, you know, which is that not everybody's going to like me as a teacher, right? That's fine. <laughs> like, there's a part of my ego that dies a little bit when I say that, but at the same time, <laughs> you know, that's okay. Like there are people that I don't like taking classes from, you know, yoga, movement, whatever. Um, and that's, that's okay. You know, not everybody is going to appeal to every person. Um, right. But what's more important to me is saying like, you don't need to move your body for 60 minutes every day. You don't even need to move it for 30. If you have 10 minutes, do 10 minutes. Like, in all the programs that I create, everything is like 10 to 15 minutes long. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, in my online studio, I have classes as short as five minutes. You Holy know? crap. And, I feel yeah. like I'm just warming up in the first five minutes. <laughs> yeah. But you, I have a whole program that's called the daily five where, you know, every, every class is five minutes long. And it's like the most popular one that I have because people are like, I love this. It is Something's better than nothing. Well, exactly. But it's also, I think, people tend to be surprised at how much you can do in five minutes, mm-hmm. as long as you know what you're doing. I think like with the, one of the biggest obstacles for a lot of people is like, I have five minutes. I want to make the most of it. What do I do? And then you sit there for like three of those minutes, like twiddling your thumbs and like looking yeah. around your room. And then you're like, shit, I have two minutes left. Ah, I'm going to do cat cow and then more cat cow. And then maybe <laughs> I'll stand up and like, go check my plants. Like you just, mm. people don't know. And some people do, but like a lot of people, if you face them with five minutes of movement, they're like, I don't, I don't know what to do. And so if you provide somebody with like, this is what to do for five minutes Mm -hmm. and they just go and that five minutes is knocked out, it can do three things. The first thing that it can do is it tells you like five minutes is actually a lot. Yeah. Right. Five minutes is better than nothing, but it's also actually a lot. Like that's the first thing. And then the second thing is like, it's easy to do five minutes consistently, like every day, right? So it starts to say like, I actually could maybe move my body every single day, right? It starts to build the muscle and then it makes you want more. Like once you get that five minutes in for a while, you're like, five minutes is great, but what if I could do 10? Yeah. And then maybe every once in a while, you're like, hey, look, I have 10 minutes. I'm going to queue up this 10 minute class instead of one of the five minute ones. And so it like eases you into this idea of like, because we, we tend to, particularly when it comes to fitness, but I think, you know, women, moms in general have this tendency to like, if I can't do the ideal thing, yes, I'm not going to do the thing at all. Right. So if I can't get that 60 minute workout in, if I can't go for that five mile run, if I can't, you know, do, you know, this like full weightlifting set that I could do at the gym. I'm not going to fucking do it. Right. <laughs> you know, like, no. I'm just not going to do it. I've said that. <laughs> yeah. I, my husband has said that it's one of our biggest arguments about movement. Um, and, uh, but, but it's true, you know? And so if you can lower the barrier for entry and just say like, Hey, 
I know you want to do this, but in order to get to that 60 minutes, you actually have to get good at five. Yeah. Like you have to, you have to get good at doing small amounts first. And then once you get good at small amounts, like, yeah, eventually you could do 20, 30 minutes. You might even be able to do 60 or you might really enjoy the five minute classes and say, (laughs) that's enough for me. Right. You know, like it's another thing where we're like, I've got to do 60 minutes. Well, why? Who told you that? And a lot of times it's fitness industry, you know, like the whole idea of 30 minutes has a lot to do with um, maintaining weight, right? You know, it's like you need 30 minutes of X every day or every other day, right? And then, you know, you need to, I mean, and there are a lot of things about that that are, when I say true, I mean, a, a truth is that we need to do more strength training than we do, particularly as we get older right? Like our, our yeah. bones need that. Our muscles need that. And strength training is going to be one of those things that helps our bodies age better, you know? So that's why I add strength training now to what I do. I didn't for a long time, but I teach yeah. that too. You know, you cannot just do yoga forever. I don't just mean you. I was <laughs> like, like, what? Everyone. Yes, I can. Yeah. Well, and I was there too, but, <laughs> but you, and you can, you know, and I know people who have, and they are fine, but like, you know, the, the, the point is more like, it's, it's in that place of if you are only, it, the, the whole idea is like, yes, there are certain things that are helpful to do in terms of your health, but the requirement of doing 30 minutes of movement every day for what is the question, right? Like, is it really better to do 30 minutes if you don't hit the 30 minutes, you're just not going to do any at all? Or is it actually better to like give yourself a much smaller yeah. goal? And then say, oh, okay, like I I actually can do five minutes. This is cool. And maybe I really enjoy the shorter practices anyway, because I could do more of them. Yeah. I I just, I think that like, it takes it out of like, you always have to ask, like, what is the context of this requirement that I have? Right. You know, when it comes to movement, is it actually legit? Meaning like rooted in science, (laughs) you know, Um, and is it for my benefit or is it for the benefit of somebody else? Yeah. It makes me think. So as anybody who's a long time listener knows, I have bipolar disorder. When we talk about having a depressive episode is like doing something is better than doing nothing. Right. So if I don't have the energy and the motivation to stand in the shower and do the full on everything I do in the shower, sit in the shower, sit in the bottom of the tub, just Mm -hmm. sit there and let the water wash over you. It's better than nothing. Right. Um, if you don't have the energy to go out in public and do a bunch of things, just at least get yourself out of bed, go sit on the couch, go do little tiny things that you could do that will kind of like help just a little bit. And that's what I think of when you talk about the five minutes and for the longest time until this recent depressive episode that I unfortunately had to reschedule on you for, um, I had let go all of these things that made me feel good. I wasn't meditating anymore. I wasn't doing my yoga. I hadn't meditated in a year. I hadn't done yoga in like six months. I was hopping on my phone first thing in the morning. All these things that one, I was a women's empowerment coach after I was a beach body coach. All the things I taught my clients not to do and to do, I was not doing. Um, I was not doing the things I knew would make me feel better. And so, yeah. And so I started... I started like, I think it was like two weeks ago. I was just, I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start being more mindful about what goes in my mouth, which is not about white weight loss. It is about literally like not feeling like shit. 
Um, I'm going to start meditating again. It, does, it can be as little as five minutes. It could be as much as 15 minutes, whatever I have time for. And I feel up to, I'm going to do it. And then yoga, the same, like, like 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever I have time for. And I also had to be realistic. Why don't I do these things? Well, I don't do them because I don't have a lot of time. I'm a really busy mom going in grad school, blah, 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 blah. All right. Well, when will I do it? Well, I, I will do it first thing in the morning because I'm a morning person and I'm wide awake then and I will do it. Well, but I don't like doing it when my kids are like in the living room because they yell and they're loud and it annoys me. I can do it in my room with my little yoga mat and not have to worry about that. So these little tiny things, anyways, the whole point was like these small things that you're talking about, like you can just do this little bit and it it will help. That's what made me think of like what I was going through is just like these little things are helping, even though they're not a lot. Not, I'm not expecting that I'm going to do all the things I used to do, just little slivers of them. Yeah. Well, you know, our daily habits, large and small, are the architecture of our days, right? So in any case, daily daily habits, the thing with them is that we tend to much like, you know, with the yoga, with anything, we put so much pressure on ourselves to like, do a certain number or do the right ones or do whatever when I, really like, you know, it's not about doing the right ones or the better ones. Like it's, it's not about that. It's about doing the ones that like work for you that, that, that make you feel good that, that make you feel most like yourself. Yeah. You know, it's like filling in all of those little chinks in the armor or filling in, you know, all of those, you know, it's like putting the pieces in the puzzle, like, oh, that piece was missing. Now it's there. Oh, that feels so much better. Yes. You know, um, and there are different habits for different seasons of our lives, you know. Um, so some of the work that I do is around habits also. And my philosophy is the same, you know, which is that with any habit that you are going to take on, whether you are reintegrating it or mm -hmm. whether you are trying to do something different, if you like go for broke you know, what? and do like the hardest possible thing, the likelihood of succeeding is considerably lower. It's not zero. It's just a lot lower. Yes. You know, whereas if you make it as easy as possible, right? Like almost stupid easy, like there's almost no way that you could really say no to this thing yes. that you are inviting yourself to do, you know, then you, you open up the possibility for, oh, well, I could actually do this. You know, like there are a lot of ways that you can make it easier, that you can, you know, make habits um, more likely to happen, right? There are a lot of ways that you can do that. And it just, it, it always gets me when people want to go to the end of it before like going through it. Yeah. You know, because if you try to go to the end of it again, it's like you don't you don't have the precedent. You don't have the foundation. You don't have the steps that you took along the way. And the steps that you take along the way are so important because if, for example, like if you backslide and I don't particularly like that term, but it's like right. if you fall out of the habit. If you had laid a foundation of I can make it really easy for myself to do and you go back to that first step, then you can slide back into it pretty easily. But if you went to the end first, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then you're like, well, 
okay, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm going to go back. It's like, that's, it doesn't work that way. It's not as easy. It feels so much harder after you've already fallen out of the habit when you're trying to get back in because you feel like you're even further back than when you started. Right. So, you know, it's like, I understand the mentality of people, you know, it's like uh, quitting smoking cold turkey, which is not a good example because smoking is like, a, it's got other stuff going on with it. Yeah. It's, you know, so I, I give that example with a lot of reservations, but, you know, doing anything where it's like, it is an all or nothing sort of thing. It is one day I was doing this and tomorrow it is, you know, this completely different thing. It's like that that is so much harder. Why are you making it so hard for yourself? Like you could make it so much easier. Right. You know? Um, and, and, uh, and I think that we're just, we're not always programmed to want the easy way. Like we want to be like, I did the hard thing, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> it's just that it, it just doesn't, it, the, the, the promise of success, the promise of a lasting sustainability with that habit is just not there. Um, right. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up the podcast today, because the time goes by super fast, uh, what would you like to leave the Inspired Women audience with? Mm, that is a really good question. Thanks. I made it up myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, I think that the, there are so many things. But what I land on is rather than holding yourself to standards from the past, right? This can relate to so many things. You know, it's like wanting the body that you had when you were mm -hmm. 18 or wanting the energy that you had before you were a parent or, you know, <laughs> wanting the, the freedom that you had in your schedule before, you know, you had other responsibilities rather than trying to like go back to some other ideal that you that you think at one point was ideal why not think about what you actually want now mm -hmm. yes you know, why not like really look at where you are now and this is what I am constantly doing all the time look at what you want now and going forward and just say like how do I create that life not the life in the past Yes. Not how do I go back to who I once was, but who am I becoming? Who do I want to be? Like, yeah. that is what I am trying to step into now at this stage in my life, instead of trying to go backwards. I only want to go forwards. So I, I think, yeah, I, th I think I, that's I, the advice that I would want to hear too. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's impossible for us to go backwards one time. We don't have that technology yet. Um, but also is like, we're different people. We're, we're not, we're older and we've gone through more things and we're different people. So it's not, I love that. I think that's great advice and creating the you now, not becoming the you you used to be. You're a new you and you go through all these iterations. I always say like, I love my sister so much because she's she's only two years younger with me. So she's seen all the iterations of Megan and she still loves me. I don't know, but she does <laughs> like I have I have done some stuff, but that that woman still loves me. And because we have we all have these iterations, we're not going to be the same person we were five years ago as we've gone through so much in the last five years. So I think that's beautiful advice. 
And I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Megan. It was wonderful. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.